0: It's been so beautiful outside, I am surprised you're all here. <laughs> but transformation happens all the time. In fact, we see that as spring has come, the trees, everything is transforming. And I don't know where you are, but I know for me, I love, well, you know, you know, I've talked about this. I love gardening. So I love seeing the plants that I have worked so hard at actually start doing the things that they're supposed to. Our apple tree, I still have big doubts. But the rest of the things are going great. And so this morning we're going to hear a story of transformation. And if you don't know this, this is one of our key values at Oikos Church. One of the things that we measure is do we see and hear stories of transformation? And we don't just look for the big story. We look for the small stories. For a person who says you know what, I want to give up smoking, and they, for the first time, give up smoking. It doesn't mean that smoking is a sin. It just means that they've heard the Lord say it's time to let that go. And they let it go. We see that's a story of transformation. For someone who has never read the Bible or someone who's read the Bible but has stopped, and they go, I'm going to start reading the Bible again. That is a story of transformation, and we rejoice in that. I love to hear those sayings. When I hear about the Lord working in your lives. Because when we get to see that, we get to see a small bit of his power at work in us. And it's something we should always rejoice in. This morning, we'll hear a story about a transformation that is a little bit larger than that. But because of it, it rewrites the story of a man In fact, it makes him to change his own name because he sees the Lord has started something new in him. Let's take a listen to the story. story that comes from Acts chapter 9. So if you want to read more about this story, you'll find it in the book of Acts chapter 9. Verse 1 of chapter 9 says this, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. The heart of (laughs) Saul, the heart of Saul, I could write a song. The heart of Saul, at this time, was dark. It was filled with darkness. We see this in the first few words of this verse. He was uttering threats. He had an obsession to kill people. He could not see any joy at this point. He could not see love at this point. All he could see was hate. When he saw someone uttering the name of Jesus. His heart and the darkness in his heart would turn to anger, disgust, and he'd want to kill them. I think we can see, and maybe we've seen it on the news, people that respond this way. There's a lot of darkness, right? There's a lot of hatred in this world. There's a lot of misunderstanding. And this morning, as we look at the story, I think we're going to see how much transformation Jesus can bring. Even when it seems impossible. But in that impossibility, Jesus can bring great Light into the darkness of any heart. No one can escape his presence and light. John would write it this way. The light shines, talking about Jesus, in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. When I look at the story of Saul and Jesus we see an encounter that drastically changes the trajectory of a person's life. One who was getting up every morning, strategizing on how to kill and imprison as many Christians as possible. He would travel wherever he had to to make sure this would happen. And Jesus stops him on the way to Damascus and says, why are you persecuting me? I mean, if I was Jesus, I would have at least slapped him first. But no, Jesus just shines his bright light and asks a simple question. And Paul really has nothing to say. He actually becomes blind because Jesus was so bright. But after this encounter, Saul becomes Paul and writes more the New Testament than any other author. That's transformation. These letters, when we look at them, they show the transformation that it's not a heart that's full of darkness and hate and anger, but instead a heart that is full of joy. In fact, we see this as he writes to the church in Philippi. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. Do you hear that? We just heard the story. And now these are the words he's writing to people. Always be considerate in the things that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, these words are not coming from a man who was sitting at a cabana on a beach. He wasn't relaxing, drinking a little cocktail, going, Hey, rejoice. Life is good. Be thankful. Remember, he was writing these words with a chain on his leg, imprisoned, because he was telling people he loved Jesus. There is a major transformation that happens in the life of Paul, and that he testifies to it as he talks to one church after another. His story was rewritten. Completely rewritten. And today the question is, what about yours? So this pause in that. Paul, from the moment that he experiences Jesus, he's blinded, he's in darkness, literally. But no longer is his soul in darkness. In fact, it's seen a great light. And he changes. So now what are you going to do? It's hard, isn't it? When we reflect on our own life, sometimes we forget about the transformation that God has done for us. It is so easy to be trapped into the things that we do day after day after day. Do any of you struggle with a particular sin that just keeps reoccurring? You might as well raise your hand. Just just raise your hand and go, I may have forgotten that one. <laughs> That's our life, right? A journey is often we see the sin way before we see the grace. We see our sin so much that sometimes we identify more with that than we do with the invitation to live in grace. There's a thing about darkness. For some of you, you're like Saul. Now, I'm not saying that you are out killing people. I realize that's hard to relate to. But Saul thought he was doing the right thing. Saul wasn't out there trying to be against God. In fact, he thought he was totally for God. In fact, we've seen this in our own American history, right? People have done awful things thinking they were doing it for God. Oftentimes, they've missed out on the love part, that's predominantly throughout Scripture. But they still think they're doing it for God. And they go to great lengths to accomplish it. Some of us are are there that we can't even see the darkness that's in our own heart. For other of us, we see that... uh, we've messed up in many areas and we don't want that darkness to be exposed and we hide it and for others we just kind of struggle because we've seen it we know what it is we can identify it it just keeps on coming it's like every day keeps on coming and maybe we focus too much on it instead of the grace that keeps on coming to I think we have relationships where we have seen darkness in someone. Sometimes it's easier to see darkness in someone else, right? Oh, it's easy, isn't it? You're like, oh, they have a dark heart. <laughs> right? That coworker that really is not nice, you go, oh, man, they have a dark heart. You may have a family member, and you go, I don't know why I'm related to them. You may be around someone consistently where you go, Man, they have no joy. We can see friends who have destructive behavior where you go, are you really going to do that again? We can see darkness, but sometimes it's really hard to see it in ourselves. So how do we... Because I would tell you that I think it often seems impossible. I mean, especially if you can't see it. So how do we battle... This. Well, Paul was experienced with this darkness as well. So he had a transformation from Jesus. Absolutely, he did. He wrote that letter to Philippi and he meant every word. He was inspired by the Holy Spirit to remind us, even today and the Philippian church, to live in joy. And he meant it. I have no doubt. Just like I have no doubt that you really want to love other people. But when someone cuts in front of you at the grocery line, you just don't want to. When you're trying to have a nice, quiet dinner and someone has four kids and they're all over the place, you really don't like them. It's difficult. Well, Paul says, yeah, it's difficult. In Romans chapter 7, he says this, and I know nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. Anyone feel good about that? Feel like you can relate? Well, I hope so. I feel that way. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Anyone experience that this week? Yes. Come on. You know you have. I definitely saw it with my children. Maybe not with me. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle in life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. I believe this about you and about me. We do want to love God. That's why we're here. There's no other reason for you to get up on a Sunday morning and come to a building that you're not sure will be air conditioned or not than to say you may love God and you want to experience His love. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. We call this saint and sinner. By the automatic justification of the Lord, in the moment you are baptized or believe in his name, he looks at you and says, Your family. And I mark upon you, saint. Now, there probably weren't a lot of people that you encountered this week that said, oh, you are such a saint. Maybe some of you got that. You're the really nice people. But oftentimes we can say, man, I'm a really bad sinner. Actually, I'm a really good sinner right? I mean, we know how to sin, but that's why we're here, because we have a great God that is the answer. So this morning, we heard a transformational story about a guy named Saul, who would later change his name to Paul. And we relate to him because just as he couldn't see his own darkness, oftentimes we can't either. We relate to him that even after we experience Jesus we still struggle with sin. His story is our story. And there's something that we can learn about the story. Saul, who would later be named Paul. I keep going here so that we don't get confused that I'm not I'm talking about one person not two. He had a choice. His encounter with Jesus could have continued with destructive behavior, right? So how many people do you know have had something out of this world happen to them, and their response is not turning towards Jesus, but it actually turns away? Find it physically hurt by Jesus. It's on Jesus here. He chose to blind Saul. And Saul had the choice to go, I don't like you. I knew I didn't like you, and now I don't like you. I can identify with this because, not that I've been blind, but oftentimes when something happens that I don't like, I can feel myself toward rebellion and getting angry that the Lord did this to me. Because the only thing I can think of is the here and now, not the coming. He could have also said, I am so scared of you, Jesus. I don't want to move. I'm going to be stuck right here in fear because I'm so scared of what you'll do. If you've done this, what else are you going to do? But it's verses 8 and 9. Let's look at what Paul or what Saul did. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days, eat or drink. So maybe you're stuck. You can't get up off the ground, or you feel like that you can't. Maybe the darkness that has been exposed has got you so much in fear that you're unable to hear and respond to the words Of Jesus. When Paul is writing about struggling in sin, that great passage from chapter 7, he immediately goes to the next chapter, which is the answer that we find in Jesus. And this is the reason why he's able to get up off the ground, trust in the one who just blinded him, that perhaps it would be better to go with him than against him. It says in chapter 8, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. There's darkness here. But to the church in Rome are there is no condemnation. Let the light shine. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him daddy or Abba, Father. For his spirit joins. With our spirit, God is not fearful of our own darkness. God is not of our darkness or sin. God is not ashamed of our darkness or sin. He is willing to join his own spirit to ours. That same spirit... It's still problems. I think for us today, it's an important message that we realize God doesn't need us to get our act together before he joins with us. God is not looking for your own life. God is asking us to listen to his voice. We are God's children. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Who's been there? Come on, we know so many times. In fact, people will ask you sometimes. Actually, no one really does. (laughs) Right? Normally, we're, we're trying to teach us as disciples to give that out. Can I? Right? but you'll be surprised. The other day, my neighbor who we've been working on a relationship with for the past six years, they're not believers as far as I know. They might. I can't read a heart, but the Lord can. But he came racing over to our house in fear of something else that was going on, wanting us to pray for him. because we're the resident Christians on Ovid Street. (laughs) Never know what the Lord is going to do. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. The Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Even ours cannot break up the harmony that God creates. Do you believe that? It's hard to. Because somehow we think we can mess up God's plan. Right? That recurring sin somehow is going to foil his plans. But when the Spirit himself intercedes for us, He brings harmony where there is disharmony. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance and He chose them to become like His Son so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, He called to Him. having called them, He gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. You can read past this section and go, there's a lot of called. This is how the Lord sees you. Breathe that in. He's called you he sees you representing his son. He looks at your life and every time you love someone, he applauds when you love someone even when it's with a hidden agenda because he goes, I can still use that. You're kind of messing it up, but I, I'm going to make it right. Because he wants to use us and work through us because we are his children. I had the kids do a job because I think it's important that they do jobs. And I was writing my message. And so I was on the front porch. and We're making it not look as nice on the side of the house. I thought this would be a good teamwork thing with Aubriana and Zach. And so I specifically said, rake the leaves that are on the gravel, then put it in the trash. Adriana grabs the rake, and I'm writing my message, and I'm like, wow, no opposition, no complaining, just a little bit of push to get them to go, and they're doing it. But in the moment that I was rejoicing, Aubriana's in the front yard and she starts to rake. And I said, Breezy, the side of the house. Not the Oh, okay. She starts to rake in the same spot. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, I'm going to come and show you what I want. And some of you who have worked with me before, you know that I might be particular, and there is a certain way that the job needs to be completed, because it needs to look a certain way when you're done. So I went over there and I said, you're going to have to break, and you're going to have to put a little muscle in it, you've got to pull like this to get these leaves out of the gravel and into a pile. So I did, and I said, okay, are you ready? And she's like, uh-huh. I said, you grab the rake, I'll hold the rake, and we'll do it together. So we did it together. So that you know this is what I want. And then they went on. Now secretly, after they were all done, because I applauded them, they did a great job, then I fixed it. But this is what the Lord does with us, right? He knows that we're not going to be in the right spot. And he graciously pushes us over. Probably more graciously than me. And then he knows that we may not complete it exactly the way. We and so he comes around. After he says, awesome job. And he completes it. Because he loves us. And he values our cooperation with him. Our participation. He loves us. He's our Father. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelmed us to us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, Neither our fears for today, man, this is a great message for us, or our worries about tomorrow. Nothing can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I don't know what darkness. Is in your life. I don't know what darkness Jesus will reveal that you can't yet see. I don't know where you're stuck, unable to get up. I don't know where you're frozen in fear. But I want to tell you, King tirelessly. It's watching. And not watching, going, "Mm mm-mm. But watching. And I believe at times he's crying for us when he sees us being going down a destructive path. But he's eagerly at the same time waiting for us to return. He's not trying to come up with the exact great punishment when we return. Instead, he's playing the best party. That's who he is. He goes with us on those paths that lead to darkness, ready to pull us anytime we turn around. And our darkness cannot overcome him. So this morning what we are going to do is we're going to have a moment time of healing prayer for those areas of darkness in your heart that you know of and for those areas of your heart that you don't know of. So what we do, and this, is, this has been done for thousands of years as followers of Jesus, is a time of confession. An absolution. So, Ken and Dolores will be in the middle. Either side. Nelson and Sylvia will be in the back. And Sarah and I will be up in the front. Now, I realize that you're thinking, well, I shouldn't say this. I can imagine. You might, oh, I'm not sharing that darkness with one of these people. They know me. And then they're going to look at me the next day. Well, I won't see them until next week, and I may not come back next week. But (laughs) then they're going to see me the next time I come to worship, and they're going to look at me with those eyes of disappointment. I assure you that we are going to say a prayer before each confession that the Lord removes it from our that removes it as far as the east is from the west and that we look upon you with his eyes and not eyes of judgment. But I also realize that you may say, I still um, don't think so. So nice try today. So what I would like you to do, if you're not willing to share specifically if there's something that you need confessed and absolved, and absolution simply means that they're going to say, you are forgiven in the name of Jesus. Please pray for the darkness within me to be exposed to the light of Jesus, bring healing to my soul. That's ge- is that general? Is that general enough? I got gotcha. you. It's hard. I will tell you there's freedom in confessing. <coughs> there's more freedom in receiving absolution. So if you are stuck and unable to get up, this might be a moment where you see, because I believe in the power of, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you are suffering right now and you're not sure why, because you don't know what it is, I believe that the light of Jesus can overcome it. As God's children, we have His power in us, right? Come on, guys. How long have I been preaching up here? Not this morning. I mean like (laughs) we have his power in us. Romans, do we have his power in us? Okay. As representatives of Jesus, will he work through us? Yes. Yes, That's the church, right? We believe, yes, that he is working in us even when it's messed up as me. He works through me, not because I become great, but because he's greater. All the things that are wrong with me, and some of you know me better than others, Sarah knows a lot, he stands in front of me. This message is not from me today, it's from him. That does not mean that I'm saying my words are always on point. But I believe that, and I've seen it happen, that something that I've said, I said, you hear. Because His Spirit is working in ways that we cannot understand. And that's awesome. I mean, that's a reason why to get up in the morning and just come to church to see what will happen. There might be a lot of distractions, like to sit by someone who smells. And it is good. Right? Well, I knew I wouldn't get you all on that. But it's good because the Lord does something amazing each and every time. And He's simply invites our eyes to see it. But our faith is so weak. We are like the man who comes to Jesus Just like we're going to come to Jesus in a few moments here and ask him to heal us. Well, this man came to Jesus and he said, heal my son. He is demon possessed if you can. And Jesus' response was, what do you mean if I can't or can? Jesus asked, anything is possible. If a person believes, a father instantly cried out, I do believe That helped me overcome my unbelief. This is your preparation as you come up for confession and absolution. And I'm just speaking from my own experience. Sometimes when you come for healing, you go, "Mm, maybe. I mean, I don't know if you've ever, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the one that's this way. You go, oh, maybe Jesus will work. Well, this morning, and in the moment when we are weak, Lord, help me with my unbelief. May the darkness that's in this room this morning be expelled by his light. So those who are going to be doing the prayer and absolution over, if you can move to your spots. I do want you to take some time to think of Jesus exposing an area where you want healing. And we want to offer that forgiveness and healing this morning. And as we listen to a song, I ask that you take that time to thank him because that's what Paul writes to the Philippians, is to thank and to live in joy. And my prayer for you, and my blessing over you, is that the Lord of peace would reside in your hearts today. And if you're not ready to receive his forgiveness just yet, that you would hear that invitation and come as soon as possible. Let's take a moment of healing.